Welcome to What Christians Should Know, hosted by Dr. Elijah Sadoffel. This podcast equips you with clarity and meaningful answers about God, the Bible, and your Christian life. Now, here's Dr. Sadoffel. Today's podcast is both a special episode and an update to a show that originally aired on December 15th, 2020. I think what follows will make the most sense only after you've listened to that first program. The title of that show is On the COVID Vaccine. There, I provided five reasons why not to get the COVID vaccine. Today's episode is an addendum to what was originally said. Here, I will put together new data that's come in over the past three months and provide five more reasons why you should not get any COVID vaccine. If you're looking for references, follow the link in the podcast description for a written version of the episode. So as I said, I wanted to provide everyone with a fresh analysis based on what's happened primarily in the United States since the COVID vaccines began being administered roughly three months ago. Certainly, the vaccine rollout is in its early stages, so I am sure there will be much more to say in the future after many more vaccines and significant time has passed. All that being said, here are five more reasons not to get the COVID vaccine. Why not to get the COVID vaccine? Reason number six. Because now there is more real-life evidence the COVID-19 vaccines are not safe. We have moved out of controlled experimental conditions and into reality. Now real everyday folks are getting vaccinated in real life. Hence, based on new real world data, my recommendation not to get the COVID vaccine has not changed. In fact, after sifting through new clinical information from patients all over the world and seeing firsthand what the vaccine has done to people, it is clear that there is now even more compelling evidence not to get it. Why do I say that? Because the COVID vaccines are proving themselves not to be safe. For example, There is a database that is co-sponsored by the CDC and the FDA. That database is called the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, or VERS, V-A-E-R-S. The purpose of VERS is to be a national early warning system to detect possible safety problems in vaccines. As a result, if a patient gets any vaccine and suffers a bad side effect, a report is able to be filed on the site so unusual or unexpected patterns can be looked into more closely. And in the past two or three months, what has VAERS told us? That nearly 1,000 people have died soon after getting the COVID vaccine and nearly 20,000 people have experienced severe adverse side effects. In fact, between January 2020 and January 2021, vaccines for COVID-19 accounted for 70% of annual vaccine deaths, even though these vaccines had only been available for roughly two months. That means the COVID vaccines caused more lethal harm in two months than did every other vaccine combined in one year. That also means that mortality from vaccines in the past year is 40 times higher compared to other years. Why is that? Why have vaccines all of a sudden become more lethal? Because of COVID mRNA vaccines. There is even data from abroad suggesting that COVID vaccines are more lethal than COVID itself. 
meaning when you compare the same time period, vaccinations have caused more deaths than the wild coronavirus caused. Furthermore, of the roughly 20,000 people who experienced adverse side effects so far, what types are we talking about? Vaccine side effect examples include the persistent feeling of excessive exhaustion, seizures and convulsions, persistent headaches and the development of migraines, kidney failure, and paralysis, or you can't move your limbs. This also includes Bell's palsy, which means you can't move your face. My experience is not normative, but in the urgent care setting, I have personally treated previously active and healthy 20 and 30-somethings who developed the following symptoms within three weeks after receiving their second vaccination. Unexplained weight loss and new intractable headaches, lingering muscle and joint pain with the inability to do activities they used to, a hard-to-describe foggy feeling with a decreased concentration and the inability to sleep. Of course, you don't have to take my word for it. Feel free to search VAERS for yourself in order to get an idea of what's happening to people after they get their shot. The final note I'll make about VERS is that it is voluntary. It is a passive reporting system, meaning it relies on providers, parents, and patients to electively submit a report if they are concerned that a vaccine may have caused or contributed to an adverse event or illness. And what's the problem with that? The problem with a voluntary reporting system is that many people don't even know that VAERS exists. This includes doctors. This also leads to underreporting and a false security and safety. In fact, in their prior research from 2006 to 2009, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services found that fewer than 1% of vaccine adverse events are ever reported to VAERS. Meaning what? This means that what you see on VAERS, including the number of deaths, is dramatically lower than what is actually happening in reality. Why not to get the COVID vaccine? Reason number seven. Because the AstraZeneca vaccine has shown to be even less effective than Pfizer's and Moderna's. The AstraZeneca vaccine has already been approved for use in other countries. It will soon be submitted to the FDA in America for emergency use authorization. This vaccine is different than Pfizer and Moderna's because it is not an mRNA vaccine. This means all the safety concerns for an mRNA vaccine do not apply to AstraZeneca's. So how does this vaccine work? It is based on a chimpanzee virus, which reportedly expresses a spike protein similar to COVID. In theory, after you are injected with the reconfigured chimp virus, your immune system makes antibodies. Does this mean this vaccine is more favorable? By no means. When you look at the clinical data from AstraZeneca's phase 3 trials, they base their conclusion that the vaccine is 70% effective predicated upon what it did in 30 individuals. In a world of 7 billion people, should you trust in anything that quote-unquote works in a mere 30 people? The answer is no. This simply means that AstraZeneca's trial used an unsuitably low number of people in order to boast about a vaccine less effective than the other two. But the problem with the other two is that their so-called benefits are already questionable. 
That is, just like Pfizer and Moderna's vaccine, the AstraZeneca version was not tested to see if it made you immune and actually prevented you from contracting and spreading COVID. It was only analyzed to see if it decreased the length and intensity of your symptoms after you got COVID. Finally, it is simply too early to tell what the real-life side effects of the AstraZeneca vaccine are. Why not to get the COVID vaccine? Reason number eight. Because patients may get stuck by themselves if they do suffer adverse side effects from the vaccine. Another consideration that many people may not be aware of is that if they do elect to get the shot, there may be a lack of medical personnel who will take responsibility if there are adverse outcomes. The simple point to be made here is that if one person gives you the shot, but that same person or organization is not equipped or available to help you, if problems develop, you may find yourself turning to your vaccine source for assistance, but getting the generic answer, go to the ER. In the ER, another doctor will deal with the problems caused by a shot he or she did not give. And doctors despise cleaning up others' messes. Regardless, when a patient is subsequently evaluated, how that normally plays out is that if they have been deemed not to have an ailment that poses an acute threat to life, they will be shuffled along to someone else. To provide an example, throughout New York City, the state has set up vaccine hubs in public housing projects, at colleges, and at sports arenas like Yankee Stadium. What you will find there are nurses, paramedics, and all sorts of different medical personnel giving out the vaccine. You make an appointment, get in line, and get your shot. The process makes getting the shot relatively easy. But here's the rub. The problem with this setup is that these providers don't know the patients they are inoculating and they literally stab and go and on to the next person. And what happens if a patient develops a late onset adverse side effect? They don't go back to the vaccine hub and normally would be instructed to go to the ER or urgent care. This process therefore makes dealing with adverse side effects isolating, frustrating, and burdensome. Why not to get the COVID vaccine reason number nine? Because my children had COVID and my wife was hospitalized because of COVID. Does this change my position? Absolutely not. I never like to make an argument from personal experience because the only one who has my experience is me. Even more, what applies for me is not universal. But what I will say is that I now know firsthand what it feels like to be the spouse of someone who has COVID. I know what it feels like when you want to do something to help a loved one in their distress, even if that something is not guaranteed and may help just a little bit. Yet looking back on everything that happened, I would not change a thing. If possible, I would not go back in time and give the vaccines to my wife and children so that what ended up happening could potentially be curtailed. The logic for that reasoning is very simple. Biblical wisdom always nudges us to keep the end in mind. Therefore, I would never want to help a loved one now by offering a small, short-term benefit that comes packaged with real risks and that is potentially dangerous. I would not do this cognizant that there may be many big, long-term adverse consequences to deal with later on. It makes no sense to sacrifice the future for right now. Hence, in short, I don't want to play dice with my family's health. 
When my wife was first diagnosed with COVID, she had the typical symptoms, fatigue, malaise, and a cough. She was tired, felt beat up, and had a cough and congestion. But even after our boys got over their mild illness in a matter of days, my wife's symptoms lingered and then worsened. She became progressively weak and short of breath. I was keeping an eye on her vital signs, and I maximized her medical treatment at home in an attempt to satisfy our common desire, for her to stay out of the hospital. Yet despite these measures, day by day, I watched as her oxygen level dropped and overall, she looked worse and worse. Soon, she did not have enough strength to get up and go to the bathroom without feeling like she was going to pass out, and she almost did a few times. I still remember the night when she was so gripped by the pain in her bones and an overall feeling of dread. She looked at me and said, I don't want to die. Don't let me die. That's a memory I will never forget, and after she uttered those words, my heart fell into a black hole. I subsequently took her to the hospital where she was admitted. It was an extremely trying time for the entire family, and our lives were obviously disrupted in a major way. But God, by His grace, made everything come together for good. After inpatient treatment, she left the hospital still not herself, but dramatically improved. As I write these words, she has been out of the hospital for about one month and is now 99% back to normal. And to that I say, praise God. Now why am I telling you this? Because I would never wish for anyone to go through that. I would never wish for a spouse to have to take their other half to the hospital with a thought in their mind that they may not be coming back home with me. I remember that day as I drove to the ER, my medical mind told me, based on her age and her lack of medical problems, there is a 99% chance she will be fine. But my heart told me, this is your wife, this is the mother of your children, this is the person God specifically chose for you. I had to consider what I and the boys would do without her, and the answer is, fall apart. Even more, I also had to come to terms with the fact that the ultimate reason why my wife got sick was because of the sovereignty of God. Nothing in the universe falls outside of His rule, which meant He allowed all of that to happen for reasons that emanate from holy omniscience. I may not be able to see it now, but His purpose in everything is good and righteous. All that being considered, I am telling you this because even after my wife experienced the trauma of a COVID infection, I still would not recommend getting a COVID vaccine. I still would not because the Christian is not called to decide based on fear. We are instead told to fear not. This brings me to my final point. Why not to get the COVID vaccine? Reason number 10. Because God commands us to fear not. Therefore, do not decide based on fear. Instead, do based on love. I remember about two months ago, a senior physician in my medical practice told me that I was gambling because I elected not to take the COVID vaccine. I disagree with that assessment. On the contrary, if a person is healthy and they elect not to take something that may compromise their health, I would label that course of action sound judgment. In fact, the person who was gambling is the person who receives the COVID vaccine. After all, I don't think people who are not vaccinated purposely put themselves in harm's way and actively seek to get sick with COVID-19. 
Compare this to the person getting the shot who makes the choice for someone to purposefully and actively inject something into their body. As with any other gambling transaction, they place their own wager by putting their bodies on the table and they are the ones positioned to lose the most, their health, in the heinous medical experiment. Truly, health is a gift from the Lord and Christians are responsible for being proper stewards of their health. This compels us all to think long, not short. Accordingly, I think that if there is one trait that is lacking in the modern Christian church, it is a lack of discernment, meaning there is a gross deficiency of distinguishing between truth from error and distinguishing between truth from partial truths. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 exhorts us to examine everything, hold firmly to that which is good. Here, the Greek word for examine means to test as in to test the purity of a metal. Now, yes, the immediate context of the Apostle Paul's instruction refers to doctrinal discernment, but the principle still remains, that we are to examine, scrutinize, and test the purity of everything in general. There will always be a lack of discernment where there is a lack of clarity and diligence. Conversely, where there is a depth of clarity and a commitment to diligence, there is a depth of conviction for that which is good and true. Error is always strongly affected by the truth, and discernment will only thrive in an environment of confrontation. This is relevant simply because if we do not make the effort to examine and then uncritically accept worldly truths, then the best we can offer is concessions and smiles. The Christian cannot say on Sunday, the Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and the ultimate standard of truth, only to close their Bibles on Monday and obey what they hear on social media or what they're told to think on television. While the Word of God is authoritative, authoritarianism has no place in the practice of medicine. While God is the creator of humankind, what we do with our bodies is meant to honor and glorify God, not to satisfy men or ourselves because of fear. In closing, I encourage you in whatever you do to fear not. You see, a rational fear looks inward and is ultimately concerned about me right now. Love, on the other hand, looks outward and is ultimately concerned about the Lord, others, and eternity. I hope in this update, I have provided a depth of clarity to you, dear listener. I hope this clarity leads to conviction. Subsequently, I still urge you not to experiment on yourself by receiving a COVID vaccine. I would also urge you to speak to your family members and lovingly encourage them to do the same. And if you are a medical provider who is or will be in a position to give the vaccine, I would encourage you not to experiment on patients. Beloved, examine everything carefully and do that which is good. Thank you for listening. For more valuable resources, including a bookstore and online Bible study, visit wcsk.org.